On this week's episode of the Superhero Hour Hour, will Daybreak be the first great zombie comic book show? Will Supergirl give James Olsen the send-off he deserves? Will Riverdale have more Wile E. Coyote Acme products? Find out now! Hello, nerds! Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour. This is the only show on the internet where we talk about every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Taylor. I am your host for the evening. With me, as always, is Ryan. Hey, Taylor. Hey. I'm. You, you said my name, and I'm going to do such a good job of like not making you mad right away. You're doing such a good job. Thank you. Buddy, I am, I am pleased as punch. Well, now I'm mad. Fuck you. That that is. I wish that you hadn't done that. We were off to such a good start. Also with me is Mike. How pleased is Punch exactly? Oh, listen. Have you ever talked to Punch? No, like I Judy's to. boyfriend slash bully. I, I don't get that reference. But uh, Punch is always pleased. Just just a happy, happy person. What do you think the most pleased Punch is? Is it Kool Aid or is it Hawaiian? Is it? I think Hawaiian. Judy's obviously. abusive boyfriend. Hold on. Hawaiian Punch really leans into the punch thing and has that little mascot punch you anytime it can. Kool-Aid, however, has a big smiley face at all times. No, okay, but he also jumps through walls. He is the juicer nut. Yeah, his his whole deal is he's going to commit like massive amounts of property damage. Doesn't that make him pleased? No, I, I mean, maybe he's pleased, but we're not. He, yeah, but he's... it's not pleased as the people around Punch. It's pleased as Punch. Now before your punch god, please him. The punch god is, I assume, an anime that is a Netflix original. Wait, they did not have a god until Netflix figured it out? Yeah, P- Punch. They were like, mm, who cares? So Punch and Judy is like a uh, old school, like, uh, I don't know, renaissance puppet show? I feel show. like I don't care. Punch, you've never heard of Punch and Judy? No. Like, what is this? Mike, do you know what that is? Yes, I do, because I'm not a fucking ignoramus, and apparently you and I are hundreds of years old, and Taylor's a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed youngster. Yeah, what is it? Like like pre-Laurel and Hardy bullshit? Yes, oh, by hundreds of hundreds years. hundreds of years. It's renaissance. Listen at all when Ryan talks. Punch and Judy? What and, the fuck? And I believe, and I'm not going to do any research on this, but I believe that it was like a couple, and Punch would just punch okay. the shit out of Judy all the time. I, she would just Judy the shit out of Punch. I just started typing in Punch and Judy, and oh, okay, never mind. It it auto-completes to Hitter, which I thought it said Punch and Judy Hitler. <laughs> Wait, Judy's last name was Hitler? Yeah, Judy Hitler. <laughs> That's Hello, everyone. That's Punch was so mean to her. My name's Judy Hitler. <laughs> if you could go back in time and kill baby Judy Hitler, would you? <laughs> yes. What the fuck is this Bozo the Clown bullshit? You don't know Bozo the Clown? Okay, so you don't know anything about anything. No, I do know Bozo the Clown. It's just everything that I pull up on Punch and Judy is like some knockoff Bozo the Clown bullshit. You're Bozo the Clown, based on your information that you have in your head. Do me a favor, uh, look up wikipedia.com and read all of it. Oh, okay, that was a good one. You'll have all of the information felt, you need. That felt nice. Do you know okay. what algae is? I do know what algae you is. idiot. Do, do you know what tennis shoes are? Moron? Um, yeah, the computer who wore tennis shoes. Yes, that is what I'm referring to. Yeah, we're all aware. 
There's a that, computer that wore tennis shoes? Yeah, the computer with, who wore tennis shoes. That is originally an old movie, and then I believe Kirk Cameron did a remake in the in the 90s. Was that one of those? Bible-y? Bible-y? Yeah. Was that one of those Kurt Russell early Disney movies? Yeah, it's it's one it's one of those where like there was a, a period in the '90s where they remade like a bunch of the like old like '60s and '70s Disney movies mm-hmm. where they were like, hey, what what about that darn cat? Don't People- you bring that darn cat to this? That darn cat is great. Escape from Witch Mountain is great. Did that darn cat had that was Christina Ricci? Yep. I, yes, the remake. Um, Disney Plus. I don't. I, do they fully realize that when they're putting everything that Disney ever made, they're putting up the decades and decades of horrible movies that they made. And now we can all see and remember them. There's fans of them. Taylor will go down swing and tell you Atlantis was the best Disney movie ever made. No, I'm talking about this. I agree. I'm talking about the 60s and 70s. Oh, that, I mean, there was just no quality entertainment back then. Have you seen the first season of SNL? It's garbage. Everybody's just like, I don't know. Watch the moving pictures. Fuck you. How dare you? They were, they they could have gone out and gotten primetime players that were ready for primetime and they got players who were not ready for primetime, and it blew the world away. That feels like not a professional establishment to me. Yeah, you, uh, personally, I think it's great that they put a bunch of people who were who should not have been on television. Coked out of their minds. Yeah, on television, and just said, let's see what happens. I've been interviewing for a lot of jobs, and that's how I bust into every interview. Just like coke Kool-Aid pouring man? out of my nose, yeah. like through the wall, saying, oh yeah, I'm not ready. Don't you want to be the next SNL? Hire me, hospital. Yeah, Kool-Aid man style. Uh, well, we're not talking about Kool-Aid Man. Instead, we're talking about Daybreak. Before we get to that, let's go to the super serious Shishi Bullpen. Now we're here in the super serious Shishi Bullpen. This is the part of the show where we kick back and have some fun with some seggies. That is what I call segments. And segments are what you call different parts of a show. You just got learned. That's a little bit of trivia on the vocabulary of podcasting. Free for you if you paid for this. I don't know who sold you those tickets because this is not behind a paywall. But oh well. Because you know, somebody got your money, and that's how the goods and services market works. And I, in order to not get sued, you have to send us an equal amount of money. Yes, it's a it's a it's a Title Nine dispute. Title Nine, yeah, Title Nine. Uh, Ryan, tell us what we're uh, we're doing this week. We're as listeners may know, we've been doing some uh, some fall movie drafting we've for twenty nineteen. We've been doing some sports, some fantasy sports, but not sports. Movie sports. We've been doing fantasy cinema. So a couple of months ago, we all drafted teams of movies for the rest of the year, and we are going to take into account their first four weeks of box office, so we don't have to play this out all through 2020, and see who can win. Uh, oh, boy. Some returns are in. Yep. And let's go over them real quick. Um, we are going to add a movie to our team, and we're going to go with uh, whoever's in last gets to pick first, and Taylor, that is you. Um, uh, yep, yep. Now, Terminator is opening right now. It is opening right now. Do you feel good about it? Is it going to be a smash box office boffo success? Based on the uh, number of fairly good reviews and people saying it's the best since T2, I think it will get pretty good. I don't think that Terminator has the cultural cachet that it would have if this movie came out in like 1992. Uh, you mean when T2 Judgment Day came out? Yes. Uh, but... I do think that it will. I I think it will end up doing very well, and it's got Mackenzie Davis, which uh, brings in my ticket money. So I think that will account for a lot. So boom, fifteen bucks right there, right there. We'll see what else the rest of the world does. 
Uh, you are waiting for that this weekend, and then you also have Bombshell Cats and Charlie's Angels yes. in the wings. I, I think we all know that like Charlie's Angels might pull some money. I think Cats is my my anchor. I am depending on Cats in order to pull me through. It's your make or break because, uh, as we said before, it will make $20 million or $300 million. Yes, there is no in-between with Cats. Like It is either going to be like the worst pick that I've ever had or the best pick. Now, you came in with, uh, you have two movies that have come and gone. You have Ad yep. Astra and Rambo Last Blood. Folks, I don't know how to pick movies. And Mike, do you remember how much fun we made of Taylor when he picked those movies? Oh, for sure. All here's, of the fun. All of the fun was made. Here's the thing. You guys made more fun of me for picking Ad Astra than Rambo Last Blood. Ad Astra made slightly more than Last Blood. So, Taylor has two movies that have come and gone, and Taylor, you are at $90 million. Now, again, yeah. this is not the end. Like you still have a lot of money to make, but right now you are sitting at ninety. Oof, that uh, that hurts. Mike, real quick, do you remember how much Joker made in its first weekend? All of the money. It was, it was more it than a 90. billion. It was so much money. Uh, and kudos to Mike for uh, for picking that one. I am in second place. Uh, I would say much closer to uh, getting the gold than last place. Yeah, I I would I would say uh, not. As I would ahead. say the thing I said is wrong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, straight yeah, up lie. yeah, the thing that you said is wrong. Uh, you had uh, the movies that came out so far are Gemini Man, which was the Will Smith, two Will Smith movies uh, in one. Flop. Like, yeah. Certifiable. Literally, no lot. one saw it. I, Nobody listen, wants to see that? I, I, listen, I would say I was surprised, except that I forgot it was coming out, and I am basically the target audience for Gemini Man. What's that two Will Smith movie called again? I forgot. Yeah. And then you also had Maleficent 2. Which is doing better than Gemini Man. Yeah. Despite it having not two, not one, it's, but zero Will Smiths. It beat both of my movie picks that have come and gone. So, put together? Uh, uh, not put together, but uh, like almost, sort of. But I would say Gemini Man is like now a legendary flop. Um, yes. I am legendary flop, if you will. And Maleficent is... Doing better, but I would also say, like, if not a legendary flop, they're saying, well, I guess Disney can't have a home run every time at bat. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing better than me, but not by a whole lot. Now, I have Dr. Sleep left and Ford versus Ferrari left. Oh, do you think Dr. Sleep is really going to blow it out for you? I don't know if those are going to blow it out for me. I, by the way, I got a Dr. Sleep sleep mask at an event <laughs> the other day, and I got to tell you, the the movie might be terrible, but that sleep mask really works. But I also have Frozen Two and Jumanji Two coming. Fucking shit! I yeah, you you are gonna blow me out. I think unless unless Cats does like a billion dollars, unless Cats is the highest selling movie of all time. But Frozen Two, also, I think Frozen Two has more cachet than Cats. Little kids love this I, shit. I I think it does, but I think Cats has the potential to be because I'm just thinking of like, uh, what was it? The last. Uh, Airbender? Yes, The Last Airbender did great. No, uh, uh, Les Miserables did very well in the movie theater. Did okay, but I don't know if it has... I mean, it would have to become like a uh, social phenomenon, which it very well could. It's, it's Cats. It's. It, I think the thing that is pulling for Cats is it has like fucking Taylor Swift in it, and Taylor Swift is the like number one by far selling artist of all time. Her fans are... Number in the millions, and they are all going to see it because Taylor Swift is in it. I mean, it has your ticket money. The thing is, too, about Cats is that um, it is you need it to become like bafflingly uh, like successful, and that that rarely happens. But it is based on a play or a musical that was 
bafflingly mm-hmm. yes. successful. Like, nobody knows why Cats did as well as it did it, on Broadway. So we will see. Uh, Mike, and then there's Michael. Mike is um, <laughs> unfortunately running away with it. Uh, he. Oh, wait. Just so we know, um, you have currently, Taylor, you have $90 million. Yes. I have 108 far, far ahead of yeah. you. For uh yes, so far ahead of me that uh Mike uh picked Joker, which um by itself got uh, two hundred and seventy eight. <laughs> oh, you guys million. made fun of me. You said a rated R movie that looked so bad would never make that much money. That Forget never it. happened. He is Middle making America this up. Is stupid. He is making himself uh, like the victim of bullying, and that never yeah, happened. I do remember saying like. Picking Joker was a dicey pick because I think it was another Cats. Like this movie is either going to do like twenty million and absolutely bomb, or it is going to be the most seen movie, and it ended up being the most seen. But I think the thing that upsets me more is that he got the Adams Family, yeah, a movie that we all assumed who is this for? Like this, no one really wants to see this now. Uh, that one's seventy three, better than. Any of our other two movies that we have picked. Yeah, so he, his second he, best is still beating us. He's got one and two. Here's what we have going for us, Taylor. Uh, Mike's other movies are A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Knives Out, and Little Women, which I think will all be successful, but I feel like they will all top out at 80. Yes. And so if we have one blockbuster on our hands, I think you and I can wipe out all yeah. three of those movies. I, I, I think Mike's has shot most of its wad. I hope so. Uh, at yeah, the beginning. Oh, the biggest movie of the year shot most of my wad. Like, I'm going to be threatened right now. Uh, but I, I think we That's are going it. to Knives close. The, yeah, I, I think we are going to close the gap. But I currently, Mike is very far ahead, and I think it's going to be our next pick that we make right now that is going to determine uh, how well we do. So this is it. Like Mike, Mike can play it safe. If I'm yes. going to be like the guys in the booth commenting on this, Mike can play it safe. Where we have to go for we've strikeouts got s- or home runs. We've got to swing for it. And I, all this baseball talk, I'm loving it. Yeah, well, listen, uh, I baseball was happening. I watched it. I used to live in Texas. Astros, I guess, maybe. They lost, didn't they? The Who Astros knows? lost. Who can say? <laughs> it's impossible to know. The news can. Taylor, what is, is going to be your pick? <sighs> okay. What are, what's going through your mind right now? Like, what movies are you looking at? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, like, big movies that are, that are still to, to come out, and I'm thinking, what is, what is the outsider hit? That's going to like bring people in when they're not going to see like cats or whatever around Christmas time. Cats or no other movie because that's the only movie. It's all about the cat. That's the only. That's the only one. Cats rules everything around me. And I think the one that I'm going to pick is a, a style of movie that does fairly well always for some reason because there will always be old men who want to take their grandchildren to the movies. I'm gonna pick Midway. Yeah. I think Midway is a good choice. It's not it I don't think it's going to be uh what what was the one from 2018 the Christopher Nolan Dunkirk? Dunkirk. Yeah. No, if you watch the trailer, it yeah. is like you know that company who will like Transformers will come out and they'll have a movie release a video that's like uh Change Robots? Yes. That's what Midway feels like to Dunkirk. Yeah. It, I do not think that it is going to be the biggest movie of the year, but I do think that there it's going to be a sleeper hit that is, I think, enough people who love Clint Eastwood movies and haven't seen a Clint Eastwood movie in a while are going to be like, yeah, I'll go see Midway. So you think it's going to live up to its name? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it is going to do, I think it's going to do better than either Rambo Last Blood or Ad Astra. 
Um, oh, you think it's going to do better than ninety percent of movies released? Wow, way to go! And but I do think that it will. I think it's going to to give me that that little boost of families around the holidays when they're hanging out with their grandfather. He's going to carry the entire family with him. I apologize, Taylor, for talking shit on you. What we should be doing right now is saying that you and I are going to combine our total grosses to get first place and say yeah. that's been in the rules the entire time. Oh yeah, that's absolutely that's that's what we're doing. Ryan, what are, what are you picking? Okay, so Midway feels like good counter-programming, but the problem is 1917. And I wonder if that will be better and almost as successful. I'm going to double down on the Will Smith. Oh! I don't think I have a kid's movie, because Frozen 2 is for adults, uh, and so is Jumanji is for older adults. Uh, so I'm going to pick Spies in Disguise, where in, uh, a CIA agent becomes a pigeon with... Uh, <laughs> Love it. With uh, Will Smith and Tom Holland, who wow. does put butts in seats. Yeah, that is true. Do you think he had to be Spider-Man to make those movies make as much money? No, he just had to be Tom fucking Holland. I don't know. I think he might have been. No, no, no. To be Nobody likes Spider-Man. I'm he doing might have t- even needed to be Spider-Man. I am going to now have three Will Smiths on my list. Wow, that's, that's a Will Smith triple threat. What's the phrase? Always throw bad money after bad? Yes. Yep. Okay, I'm going to do that. I think that's the phrase. All right, Mike. You are the current front runner. What are you picking as your final movie? And before uh, you answer, did we fuck with you? Like, did we take the two ones that you I, definitely wanted? That's why I wanted Spies Disguise Midway. Uh, is there really a Playmobil movie coming out? Well, yeah. Like, yeah. from the knockoff Legos? Yeah. Yeah. They, they did the Lego movie, so now they're doing the Playmobil uh, moving picture. That's insane. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do the one movie I've heard of that I actually want to see, and I know that's not what you do. But uh oh, but Lottie Da, you're so high up I in the get booth. I do you whatever do- I want, and I like heisty crime type movies, and I love Chadwick Boseman, so I'm gonna just do Twenty One Bridges. Uh, that I think that's a pretty good choice. This would be like a a Star Is Born from last year. Like the yeah. way that this movie is successful is because all the adults in the world remind Hollywood that they do like to go see adult movies that we got in the '80s and '90s. Uh huh. That's exactly yeah. what this looks like. It looks fun as hell. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I haven't seen a lot of promotion for it, so I don't know if it will have the widespread uh, appeal. But it looks like a fun movie that I actually want to see. And I believe it is the Chadwick Boseman Avengers. I think it's Black Panther, uh, James Brown, and Jackie Robinson all fighting crime together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, 18 other Bridges. Right, and then Jeff Bridges, Bo Bridges. <laughs> yeah. Nash uh, Bridges. Well, those are our final picks, and we are going to see how the fuck we end up. Uh, I, Ryan and I, I think we can close the gap, but... Uh, Mike will not win. Mike, Mike has a commanding lead currently. But the and Joker's done. stay there. The Joker, yeah, the Joker's done. We're not counting any more of its, its gross from this point out, because it's still in theaters, but the first four weeks are done. We've got not- its... None of your bullshit will touch how good the Joker did. Also, but all we're doing cat, right now, baby cats. I don't like. We're trying to like be like analysis people and like talk about what's going on, but it's also supposed to like be threatening to Mike. And I don't know if it's working. I don't <laughs> no. think he looks that scared. No, I, I think he's very very confident that his fucking Arthur Fleck movie has gotten him uh, firmly in first place. O- only a nerd like who would become the Joker would choose Joker anyway. So, Mike, if that's the kind of person you want to be, then I guess yeah. go for it. All right, well, we will tune in at the end of the year and see which of us has won. But now we're going to move on to our main event, Daybreak. 
Brian Ralph's 2013 graphic novel Daybreak, combining high school movies with post-apocalypse movies, became a Netflix show this month, and somehow Netflix doubled down on both of the genres. It tells the story of social outcast Josh, one of those social outcasts that is handsome, athletic, and dresses well. Josh has shunned all of the cafeteria cliques, cum gang zones, to be alone, deciding to continue his social outcastiness and focus on finding his OTL, Sam. If Josh's personality seems familiar, it's because he cribbed it from Ferris Bueller, played by Matthew Broderick, who plays the principal, in case you were missing out on inspirations. Taste Buds, let's start with this. Name one thing about this show that will keep you watching past the two episodes we watched for this segment. Uh, hmm. hmm. I think it's fun. It's always fun to watch old people try to figure out how young people talk. Yes. And do a horrible job at it. So that it's more as like a social experiment than it is yes. an entertaining narrative. That's I, the, the one thing, the one aspect of this show that I am sort of engaged in that sort of worked for me uh, was the, the samurai kid. I don't know why, but something about that character worked for me. And recently I've heard, maybe it's because people finally got through the whole season, um, that he has an episode to himself coming up oh. and steals the show. And like, he has already stolen the show. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, in like the sixth episode or whatever, uh, they focus on him, and apparently it is by far the best. That I, I think that makes entirely like total sense to me, and I would just skip ahead to that episode and watch that episode. It's, it's so weird that I feel like we used to say this a lot about movies and shows in the 90s, but it's been a while since the main character is literally the worst character on a thing. God. This show would be so much better if you just cut Josh out of it. Yes, it's he's so bad. I, I think the most egregious characters are Josh by far, and then uh, his little like 10-year-old assistant or whatever. Angelica? What? Yeah, she's not... Great. Like what, I understand. What the fuck are you talking about? She's not great. I fucking love her. She she's like fuck you, and then she likes fucking Barbies, and then like she fucking chainsaw, and like I'll smoke a cigarette, and then I'll stab a bitch because that's that's my eleven year old character. She's very much. Uh, if anyone has played the video game Borderlands two, uh, she's very much a tiny tiny Tina esque character, but like not done as over the top so that it's fun. Like she's just, uh, hey, isn't it fun if a ten-year-old is kind of foul-mouthed and loves like dangerous things? She's a poor person's hit girl. Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, South Park, thirty years mm-hmm. ago. Or yeah, do you guys remember when we had rapping grannies? Yep. Like that seems like it sort of comes from the same database of hilarity. This show could use a ra- rapping zombie grandma. Yes, that would kick it up. No, do you know what? There's like there's flashes of. In the second episode, uh, where they run into his old teacher, and she's like the mall witch, uh, but her jaw hinges weird. More Beetlejuice weirdness and less yes. flashback bullshit would make this better. Okay, let's get to that real quick. Um, the kids are all fine, basically exactly the same. In fact, they double down on their kiddiness, and they think that like if we were part, if we sat at the golf team table at lunch, then we should create a golf team gang and run a zone of the city. Yeah, um, and. Much less explained, and maybe it will be in the future, is that the adults, like, the, the nuke really hit them hard. And yeah. most of them are badly idiots. And then this one teacher who seemed to be able to relate to teenagers when she before the nuke went off is now this, like, Helena Bonham Carter character. Yes. Who does have these Beetlejuice-esque, not like she's like Beetlejuice, but she belongs in that movie as someone who can unhinge her jaw and make gross funny and yeah. trying to do all of that stuff. 
Yeah, and, and that that stuff is works a lot better than oh Josh. man, man, I'm my name's Josh, and I'm just like a really attractive outsider that no one likes for some reason, and I have this girl that I'm in love with for no real reason. Can we tell one? Josh does suck, and there's nothing wrong with his actual life, and he's a little baby bitch. Yeah. Uh, Sam, we get we really get to know her more in the second episode when we start doing annoying flashbacks. Is self righteous and fucking annoyingly positive. She's yeah a shit character, and if she wasn't British, she would be the character everybody hates in the show. In the first episode, it seems like uh, Josh is a, like a lot of guys in these '80s teen movies where they had one ten minute experience with a girl. And they're in love, and they're going to do yeah. whatever it takes to make her love him. In the second episode, they try to like uh, back up off of that and show them bonding. But yeah, and Sam is, you know, she seems cool and cute and all that stuff. But yeah, they aren't, uh, they don't do enough stuff to be in love, love. And then also, she runs up to people and says, I'm such a liberal manic pixie dream girl i'm going to shove it in the face of everyone at this yeah. ball today it seems like the the writers haven't learned from the past like 10 years of uh writing of like hey you know what manic pixie dream girls don't actually work and we don't like them and, and she's a shitty version of one because that that her mall day challenge starts off with like josh i'm so good i can compliment anyone Look at that fat girl. Tell me what I should compliment about her. And I'm so brave, I'll do it. It's fucking horrendous. Yeah, I I don't... I, I'm not to the point of, like, hating her character, but it is definitely, like, very two-dimensional. Look at just how much of a good person I am. And, like, that's not interesting to watch, and I don't... And I feel like it would be even just slightly more interesting if I cared at all about this main character. Where I'm like... Fuck both of you. That's the thing is that they they put themselves in a position where they have to do a lot. We have to fall in love with Josh and fall in love with Sam at the same time. Yeah. So therefore, we um, are rooting for him and rooting for him to find his MacGuffin, which is a human person. Yeah. And that's that's a lot to take on. Yeah. And, and it's made worse by the fact that he keeps turning to the camera and doing the Ferris Bueller. But guys, if you're going to try and rip off Ferris Bueller... A, you should probably try to be as good as Ferris Bueller, and if you're not, don't put fucking Ferris Bueller in your <laughs> show so that we're constantly thinking, man, this is a lot worse than Ferris Bueller was. Which is an idea that Election had and did better 20 years ago. Yeah. This, we're now 20 years past this idea of making Ferris Bueller the authority instead of the punk rocker. More than Ferris Bueller, though, I know it's, it's doing all of that, and the kids, t- it's, it's Deadpool light. Because the humor, so while the turn of the camera is very Ferris Bueller and Ferris himself is here, the humor seems to be like, aren't zombie stuff dumb? But it's not doing anything yeah. fun or inventive with it's, that at all. The humor, to me, feels a lot like this is a show that that is not made for me. Like, this is a show that is made for 13-year-olds. But see, I don't, like, all we can do is talk about how we responded to it, right? We can't yeah. say that, like, uh, I can't watch this because I'm not 13. And... So therefore, it's just bad. It just it just sucks. But then also, I wonder about thirteen year olds. Like, this is it's it's supposed to be for thirteen year olds, which means it's for eight year olds, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to watch the things that are made for them. You want to be five years behind, right? And if you're going to do that, then you have to listen to your kids listen to a bunch of thrown in curse words for no reason other than to look cool. Yeah, this has worse of a tone and audience problem than Raising Dion, the last Netflix uh, comic book show we watched. Yeah. It's uh, I, I'm worried that this is going to be the new norm for like 
Netflix non like Marvel or DC comic book shows is just tonal problems all over the place. I mean, you want to make something that is for everyone, and what you're in fact doing is making something for nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it seems like they're trying very hard not to be grimdark DC or like over the like just like molding into the MCU style. So they're trying to carve out their own style, but it just doesn't. It's not working. While like having huge structural issues, like as a show, there's two starts to this show because the pilot opens pre-apocalypse, pre-apocalypse uh, and it's very boring. The apocalypse hits, and then when he meets the golf bullies, it flashes back again to pre-apocalypse to see more. Like they don't know how to tell a story here. They, they just yeah. keep having scenes. They took all not a order. They took all the wrong lessons from all the worst episodes of Arrow. Yes, yes, that's what they did. Yeah, I, I'm immediately done with. The flashbacks. I don't want the flashbacks at all. Like, they're not doing anything for me. Like, I wish that they had just done, like, maybe the first episode established, like, hey, here is his relationship with this. If they keep doing flashbacks, uh, uh, I'm well, going to be I'm gonna be upset. I think it would have worked if we were able to, and this is not on us, this is on them, if we were able to care about the characters and they don't, mm-hmm. They're clearly not interested in that. Right. And so if we flash back, we would be like, oh, I would love to see all of the origin stories of these people. They don't care. They will trade any character moment for a snarky remark at any point, therefore like alleviating the need for flashbacks. Yeah. It, it, it's just kind of a bummer. Because I, I see a good show in this show. Mm-hmm. Like There are good elements, and I think that the concept in general is pretty good. It just feels like lacking in execution. Two awesome moments in the second episode that lean towards the Beetlejuice in tone more than anything else is uh that the Eli Kardashian, the kid who takes over the mall, who yeah. is like a pitch perfect douchebag. Yes. Uh he he actually has an anvil trap. Do more shit like that. Like what would a dumb teenager think works in the in the post apocalypse? Uh and then Josh thinking he it is normal zombie rules and trying to hack off his own arm and then being told you did that for nothing. That that made me legit laugh. Yep, those are two that surprised me. Those are two really good ideas. Those are two ideas that show off that these people have seen pop culture before and thought it was real and then turns out that it's stupid and they're stupid. Right. But there is nowhere near enough of that to like carry a show. And like two ideas per episode would be fine if you did all this other stuff that shows need to do. They are not concerned with that. Yeah, I, I do think, as I said before, the one thing that consistently works is this weird samurai kid <laughs> He's, who already in the previous life was just talking about how noble the sword was <laughs> and how, how you got to get yourself up. a sword. Uh, and then just every time that he gets into a situation where he could find, he's like, I'm a pacifist, my Ronin code says. <laughs> like, just, it's such a, a weird, wonderful, over-the-top character. Original. And, like, yeah, there's original a, stuff. Right. Yeah, and, and it's showing like this. This is what it's commenting on how kids do choose identities and go fucking hard with them, even when it's goobery as hell. Yeah, that is actually doing something interesting. I'll make you this promise because if the fifth or sixth episode uh, actually gets good, I'll watch through and then let you know which week we're supposed to all watch that one together to see if that's true. You don't want to just look it up and then we'll wait for it. You're gonna watch all these episodes. Netflix man, what am I gonna do on a Sunday morning? Uh, anything, I watch Racing Dion and now Daybreakers. Any, anything else, buddy. <laughs> you can do other things. Uh, so I think we've gotten a pretty good uh, indication of how we all feel about this. But are are you going to give it one more episode? Ultimately, but it is for me. And this could be because I'm getting older. I think smarter. 
but it's probably yeah. older. I am older than both of you guys put together. Um, is this thing of snark. And I used to love it. I used to thrive on it when I was yeah. a kid in real life and pop culture. And now it drives me crazy. And when I watch the snark of Daybreak, it feels try hard and stepped on and like very not creative. Yeah. But I feel like when I talk about how it's bad, it makes me sound like closer to Matthew Broderick now as opposed to then. But the, they're not good at snark, and they think they are, and that ultimately will make me never watch it again. Right. It, it's, it seems like they think that they're nailing it, and mm-hmm. I think that is the worst part, is how far what they think it is from what it actually is, that gulf just consumes my soul. They think they're nailing it, but they're nailing it the way people on the baking Netflix show nailed it, nailed it. Exactly. Yes. Boom. We need Nicole Byer in this show to just tell everyone. That'd be delightful. You know what? You did. You didn't nail it, honey. Oh man! If two of the people that were in high school at, on this show were Nicole Byer, who just plays a high school person, yes. and then the two girls from Pen Fifteen, then now I'm in. Oh, now I'm yes. watching this show. Oh, shit, Absolutely. I and I think that is another issue with the show is the casting because I think they did cast like actual teen actors. Like this doesn't seem like at least most of the characters. Or actors do not seem like, you know, 25-year-old people doing high school. And I think that shows. The, mm. the performances are not great. I'm it's very high school musical. Except for one gay samurai. Except for one yeah. gay samurai. Wesley Fists. That's a great name. It's such a good name. I, uh, like, it's so weird to have just, like, one character that you want to hang out with and be friends. And you're like, I could scrap the rest of the show. And why he works is, in the flashbacks, he's the only one who shows change. Literally, everybody is the same from flashback to post-apocalypse, but Wesley Fist has arced, so we're trying to figure out why and how. Right. That's what a sh- Fucking idiots. Let's do that for everybody. Yeah. It, I mean, it also shines a light on the fact that he acted the way he did in the past because of who he is now. Like, mm-hmm. it's not so much arcing as trying to cover up who he was then. I, like, was he an out jock bully? Uh, maybe because because I I think Eli brought up there's like some other thing other than just his sexuality that is like an issue. Wait, there's a character trait besides sexuality. Uh, what I know, right? That's crazy. Uh, I, even if he was not out, I do love how when Josh is getting beat up by all the jocks and bullies, including Wesley, Moose from Riverdale. Yeah, including him. The Jughead Jughead can't find Moose. He's at this mall beating people up. Uh, Wesley walks by and he's like, "Yeah, this." Just, it's just how the world works. Like yeah. we're bullies and we have to beat you up. I don't understand what the problem is. That's just it, it is what it is. Uh, that is all the time we have to talk about Daybreak. Daybreak is on Netflix. You can watch it all at once. We're going to be talking about it week by week. Tune in to see that one episode where the gay samurai has his own episode, and then otherwise you can probably tune out. If you really love this show, do let us know and let us know what we're missing. Now, we're going to move on to every other show that we watched this week. Now, we're here in the pull list, the part of the show where we talk about every other show that we watched this week. Kicking it off is Watchmen. This week on Watchmen, Angela takes the wheelchair-bound Will prisoner, but doesn't believe he's strung Judd up. Their back-and-forth leads her to discover A... Judd was a member of the KKK, and B, Will is her grandfather. Meanwhile, the cops go ham on Nixonville because they think the 7th Cavalry attacked Judd, and Jeremy Irons has a bunch of clones he makes act out really shitty plays he really shittily writes. Taste buds, I ask you this. What would you say Watchmen is doing best right now? Mystery, 
character drama or political allegory? Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't think that we and the rest of the country that is watching it would hold it in such high regard as we are if it wasn't for character. Like, I really don't. Like, yeah. I, we talked about Daybreak, and there's we're now seeing, like, what a Netflix show is like as opposed to what an HBO show is like. And HBO shows need to be shot professionally, like, mm-hmm. look like their movies, and trick us into loving the characters. Or... Being interested in the characters. Being yeah. intrigued in the characters. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I think this show is doing a very, very good job at just doing very subtle, like, showing us things about characters that intrigue me and make me want to know more. Like, why the fuck is Will impervious to heat? He just dug, he just stuck his hand right into a boiling pot of water and pulled out some boiled eggs. There's, I mean, there's that stuff, and there's all, like, going back and rewatching it to find all the Easter eggs, if that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing you're into. But really, what's going to happen, the reason why when you rewatch it will be the most rewarding is because these actors are doing multiple things at once, and we have no idea how subconsciously they are building themselves up in our brain. Yeah. It, it, it's... I am impressed. It, we've only seen two episodes so far, but every single episode thus far, I have been even more impressed. Like, I don't think that there's a bad actor in this bunch. And the one that really stuck out to me this week was uh, Regina King's husband, who is just uh, a delight to watch. And his character is so like nice and sweet, but like he's very affectionate and gives her exactly what she needs, but also will call her out on her shit. And he is just a side character that doesn't like have anything major to do, but every moment he's doing three things as an actor at once. I mean, I will kind of chalk him up to being a one dimensional character just there to support the female lead, which I'm very tired of. I feel like this is how all superhero shows have been going for a long time is, Oh yeah. The the husband's just thrown in there by the way, like 15 years, her senior. And yet, she still looks way out of his league. Uh, and like, th- he's just there to be a foil to Regina King. But it does, like, I am watching him thinking, like, are you cool with what your wife's doing? Where do yeah. you land on all of mm-hmm. this? What is your marriage like? Because it, it, it's very, like, it, it feels like he, I don't know what he does during the day. I, maybe he, like, just is a person who takes care of the kids or whatever. But, like, watching him just sort of, like, allow like his wife to run into being the most dangerous situation and just be like, I'm here if you need me. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's not, he's not taking a firm stance. He's just sort of being there. And that's such an interesting dynamic to me. And not just being there, but like in the flashback for the white knight, just listening to every move she makes without such a normal dude thing would be like, are you sure? But like, they're getting attacked and he's like, I'll do whatever you say. Like it instantly goes yes. away. Cause he just listened to her. Moves I, and the, the, this show is so good because in little moments before they get attacked, uh, a very lived-in marriage of there's some tension, there's some sexuality, there's so like all of it feels real. All the little fights and tiffs, all the like random kitchen dance handies, it's all so real and mundane in a fucking beautiful way that most shows ignore. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to see what you guys think. I felt like that scene in the the Christmas flashback. Was it sort of implying that she there was like a lot of like focus on her belly mm-hmm. and potentially like a lot of other shows when they frame things that way, it's to say like, hey, she's a little bit pregnant, they're having a baby. 
Or she just puked in the morning for no reason, is what other TV shows Right, yeah. But I, I was wondering if you guys think that that was trying to very subtly hint at, like, she might have been pregnant and then lost it in that fight, and that is why she adopted her partner's kids. Not just out of partner loyalty. Yeah. Or, or even if she wasn't pregnant, she got shot right there, so now she can't get mm-hmm. naturally yeah, pregnant. That's... So, yeah, it was definitely tying motherhood and bodily function in, into yeah. that. The and, other thing that we have, too, on this white night is that... Uh, she is attacked by two Rorschachs. What are they called? Seventh Calvary. Seventh Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one she kills, and then yes. one just sort of disappears. And it's not a question of whether or not that was Don Johnson, right? Uh-huh. That, yeah, that, it sec- that second yeah. one was Don Johnson. The question is that we have to figure out is why he decided to keep her alive. I Well, I think it might have been as a way to have someone on the force and like be like, hey, we are both alive together because after that is when he became chief and uh, achieved all of his power achieved all of his power and yeah that was someone that he could make extreme that's what he thought yeah well yeah that and like now it takes away suspicion from him like why were you the only one who made it out right um like that whole i am very interested in finding out what's up with him and who these people in this weird hovership are that are stealing Will away. The other thing that I I do appreciate that they did address in this episode is when they go to Nixonville and the police start just like cracking down. I'm glad that they, they were like, all right, episode two, the police are still kind of bad. Yeah, this did a good job. That was part of a concern last week. And this did such a good job. Not only are the police bad because the chief was probably KKK, which we were talking about how this was historically separating the two things that were one thing. Yeah. But it's showing like they don't give a shit who is right and who's wrong. We have right. these masks on, so now we can be even more brutal than we ever were. Yeah. It, I mean, like the whole idea of masks is like centralized to this. And like it should be to all superhero fiction, uh, not superhero fact, which is what I'm really interested in, but the fiction. Of, I mean, Hooded Justice straight up says, like, in their uh, American yeah. hero story in, thing. In the Zack Snyder version of Watchmen. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Is that uh, if I knew who I was, I wouldn't wear this mask. And everyone wears a mask. And if you wear a mask, it's supposed to be to protect your identity. Yeah. But that's bullshit. It sort of uh, just gives you uh, the ability to do whatever you want and severely messes with your brain. It, like, it, yeah. it will fuck you up and... Uh, finding the difference between uh, the Hooded Justice and the cops and the Seventh Cavalry and the KKK is how this show is complicating matters. It's interesting because it, it, the mask it flattens your identity, so now you're just the thing everybody sees. And Regina King, because we it's her story, we're, we hang out with her more often. We know she's more nuanced, and she doesn't like what's going on in Nixonville. But even she flips, pulls up the mask, and beats the living shit out of somebody. So even if you do have those multitudes, the mask flattens you out a lot more. Not yeah. just it's the easiest thing, the easiest thing to do. Not just uh, like punches the shit out of, possibly kills somebody who is more innocent than not. You know, like she knows that this person didn't like hang Don Johnson. Yeah, she knows that for a fact at this point, or is close to it. Uh, but punches him in such a way, and it looks brutal, it's awful, that we just saw Hooded Justice do mm-hmm. on a TV show. So yeah. if Regina King is real life and Hooded Justice is a TV show, we sort of buy it and we root for it when we're watching that TV show. But now we're like, ew, no, that's gross. All right, we are uh, Fuck out of, you, dude. No, there's know, no fucking... We time, didn't but, get to Ozymandias again. Uh, okay, that's... I, I wanted to very quickly address... Ozymandias has done... Uh, he's, cre- he's written up a script that is... 
the origin story of Dr. Manhattan. Like the fourth issue of Watchmen, basically. Yes. And uh, we we see Dr. Manhattan descend, and it does the blue penis. Is Ozymandias's script supposed to also be like a reference or subtle dig at Zack Snyder's Watchmen? Absolutely. I have that right here in my notes. Yep. I think that like it's, it, it is uh, different. And Adrian would have no idea what actually happened unless he yeah. read the comic book, what happened to John in that thing. Uh, but it cuts out all the nuance of the scene, and it uh, just moves it as fast as it can with as many action beats as it can. Yeah. And that is exactly what Zack Snyder did. It, it felt very like this is the just retelling of a story in a, a, a rote way, whereas like, look at what I'm doing. I'm doing something different. All right. Moments of the week. Ryan. Oh, man. Uh, I guess my moment of the week would be when Regina finds the KKK robes in Judd's closet and then immediately blames her not known then grandfather for planting them because all we yes. have to do is protect the white people, the white males, I guess. That like that was that was quite a scene. Uh my least favorite moment of the week, if I can, is that Regina brings her grandfather into her headquarters and then wants to give him coffee. Wants to get his DNA, but yeah. it, it seems like and then dumps out a cup, a mug full of pens and pencils, and then fills it with coffee without washing it yep. out. Do you know how disgusting that is? And he also just downs that fucking hot-ass coffee like nothing. Right. Mike, moment of the week? Uh, the play was so fascinatingly bad, and because you're watching everything else be so good, so they wrote this bad play on purpose. And to know like the smartest person on the planet can't write, that was nice. Uh, Jeremy Irons is not getting a lot of screen time, but is doing a fuck ton with it. Yeah. And is like this is a great late career career reminder why he's MVP. Another question, real quick too, is that uh, <laughs> they seem like so they're clones, right? Yes, yeah. he is cloning people. But is are those just the two actors, the male and the female, that were cast as the clones, or are those people that Adrian in the show picked specifically to make multiple copies of? I have no idea what you're asking. So uh, my moment of the week is uh, one very quick one is uh, when the uh, Red Scare says, I'm not a Nazi, I'm a communist. I just really like that. Uh, and uh, the fact that the police force, like we now saw even more owl tech that they're using. I want to fucking know what's up with the, the night owl and like how they interact with the police department. And their decision to say like technology is bad. Yeah. But we will use this other slightly backwards technology yeah. like there is some sort of dividing line because uh based on the like alternate reality like uh website that they have going on uh, from like the fbi or whatever after every episode uh night owl is currently in custody and no one's heard from him in like 20 years didn't he shoot up that restaurant from la confidential i yes i believe so uh all right uh watchman is on hbo watch this fucking show it's so fucking goddamn fucking good uh next up is titans uh, this week on Titans, in 2014, the Titans used their friendship with Jericho to learn more about Deathstroke. Against Don's advice to leave him out of the battle, Dick recruits Jericho into the team upon discovering he has the power to possess others. Jericho agrees to join when Dick tells him the truth about his father, and the heroes search for him. Deathstroke learns that the Titans contacted Jericho, and after completing his hit on Jillian, severely beats Donna as a warning to stay away from his son. Dick responds by confronting Deathstroke during his private meeting with Jericho, prompting a fight that ends in Deathstroke's favor. But before Deathstroke can finish Dick off, however, Jericho sacrifices himself to save Dick by jumping in front of his father's blade. And with Jericho dead, the Titans disband. Taste buds, I ask you this. Jericho's dead. Whoa, what a blow, right? What's a better stroke to finish your dick off than the Deathstroke? Oh, that's couldn't have said it better myself. Titans is on DC Universe. Your next show this week is Raising Dion. 
In the fourth episode of Raising Dion, Nicole goes on a bunch of job interviews and is bummed she's not hired on the spot. Then she gets a job at her old dance studio as a ticket taker, and it also offers health care. So maybe her life isn't that fucking hard as somebody who's applied for numerous jobs in the last weeks, and you don't... Here we go. <sighs> Meanwhile, Pat takes Dion to the Bayana lab, and they find a secret room with a bunch of animals from Iceland, with heavy hints that Bayana just might be an evil corporation. <gasps> also, Dion can now heal, shut down city electric grids, and make floating lights. Taste buds ask you this. If the show continues adding powers every few episodes, what would you most like to see Dion acquire? Cancellation. Talk to fish. <laughs> oh, oh, god damn. All right. Well, Ryan beat me. Uh, Mike, I swear to God, I didn't watch this episode, but it feels like I have based on your explanation. I feel like I saw this particular episode two or three times. Yeah. It's, w- it's very slow. I want to know how Netflix original movies are doing. And would yeah. Raising Dion and Daybreak have been better movies? I think so, probably. Like, give me an, a 90 minutes, get in, get out, and we're good. I, I think that they're having a trouble with uh, timing. Raising they're having a trouble. Yeah, yeah they're having you, a trouble. You did do that. You were like, uh, my moment trouble. of the week. Uh, my yes. moment of the week, Dion does steal one of the animals. Uh, it's a hermit crab with a glowy shell, and he names it Pinchy, which is adorable. The kid is oh. great. The kid's great. Oh, I love that little kid. All right, Raising Dion is on Netflix. Uh, you can watch it all the time. We are watching it week by week. Next up is Batwoman. This week on Batwoman, Magpie steals Martha Wayne's pearls. Oh, no! Making Kate look ineffective. Batwoman then has to retrieve the necklace and capture Magpie to send her to Blackgate. Recognizing that she cannot be in an honest relationship, Kate breaks up with Reagan. Catherine decides to confess to Jacob, telling him a deer skull was used to p- pass his Beth skull, and he storms out in anger. To write a cover for her vigilantism, Kate sets up a company to buy dilapidated buildings and turn them into low-cost housing with Luke as her assistant. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does this sound like the setup to Jessica Jones to you? Oh, it does. Like yes. a little bit. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like get a, a cover company. I have uh, a, a, a new young lad as my assistant. It's a little bit Jessica Jonesy. Did they copy Jessica Jones and that led to Nancy Drew? Is that how Maybe. show math works? I think so. By the way, show your math. Uh, haven't talked about Nancy Drew in a couple weeks. Guys, it's a fucking good show. Uh, better scares than I have uh, had in regular horror movies. And I think they're just leaning into ghosts are real. It's a good show. Check it out. Batwoman is on the CW on Wednesday nights. Your next show this week is Arrow. In a Katie Cassidy-directed Arrow, Ollie tracks down Thea to help with finding the next item on his list, a sword of an ancient mystic from the League of Assassins. This makes them cross paths with Talia Ghul and Athena and her Thanatos guild. What happens next is a series of traps, challenges, and betrayals, all leading to Thea and Talia possibly founding the Justice League of the Arrowverse. Taste buds, I ask you this. How excited are you to see Ollie and company interact with the kids from the future? This was, uh, I think this was a good example of, like, not a standout arrow. Like, sometimes they will fumble on the one-on-one conversations, but... The reveals, it's it, it sort of like feels like they are realizing that there's like six episodes left and we have to sh- yeah. get our shit together. Um, Thea being like, well, just Thea, period. Mm-hmm. Great. Having Thea back is great. Hey, shout, shout out to Thea. Um, I've missed her. Thea telling, what's her name, Talia? Uh-huh. That, uh, you know, maybe we don't need more bad guys. We could have heroes. And then like uh, CEO, CFOing a new superhero group is awesome. And then at the end... Saying, you know, I don't think people love the flashbacks and the flash forwards. Let's just get them all in the same yeah. room and see what happens. I was just as stunned as Ollie. And also, like, me as a piece of shit, I think Ollie's going to be real old school Oliver to her, and I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. He's going to be like, oh, I have very little father training. I 
barely know William. I don't know you at all, but I'm going to try and raise you like I've known you forever. <laughs> Do you have a moment of the week? Uh, yeah, my moment of the week is um, Thea, like Talia's about to leave, and Thea's like, uh, wait, hold on, you're leaving? And Talia's answer is so perfect because she's always so serious and like daughter of Rosh Al Ghul and uh, just like everything's by the book. And the way that she says her next lines was amazing. She's just like, uh, Thea says, are you leaving? She's like, uh, I betrayed my honor. Uh, I have <laughs> let my father down. What the <laughs> fuck else am I supposed to do, Thea? Uh, I've abandoned my child. <laughs> I've abandoned my boy. Mike, moment uh, of Mine is uh, Oliver has learned after eight years. Finally, he just straight up tells Thea he's going to die. And Stephen Amell is low-key a great CW actor. And like the the near tears during that conversation and then his instant uh upsetness because she's like oh you're gonna die boo hoo hoo uh-huh. for the 30th time ever and he's just like hey like just, they fucking nail this brother sister relationship and it's great a very deadpan uh i think that you could probably react a little bit more than that uh-huh. the other thing too in this episode going back to Watchmen, is that thea has been living on that island by herself always been extremely capable has now proven herself to be the most capable and still, before they get into their adventure, Ollie's like, well, you know, Thea, you should probably stay back because you're a girl and uh, I want to protect you. Come on, Ollie. Come on, Ollie. It's Come on, 2017. Ollie. Come on, Ollie. Uh, Arrow is on The CW. It is its final season. Check it out. Your next show this week is The Walking Dead. This week on The Walking Dead, at Hilltop, a tree collapses and knocks down the wall, meaning Lydia becomes the target of Alexandrian bullies. But Negan saves her, accidentally killing one of her attackers in the process. The council is conflicted on what to do with Negan, but Negan goes missing, putting the community on high alert. Meanwhile, a depressed Ezekiel nearly attempts suicide, but Michonne intervenes, and the duo share a heartfelt conversation. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What heartfelt conversation between two characters would you like to see and would get you to watch The Walking Dead? Ezekiel's tiger. Ezekiel's tiger. And Rick's... R.I.P. Uh, Rick's hand. <laughs> and Rick's hand that he lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He never lost that in the show, did he? But I want no. it to be like full hand puppet yeah. that like, like talks like Jennifer Lopez. Uh, speaking of Rick's hand, are you guys at all excited about those movies that are coming out? The Walking no, Dead no, movies? No, right? Those are going to be terrible? Of course not. Yeah, I still do like Negan. I think Negan is a good character now on The Walking Dead, which is on AMC on Sunday nights. Your next show this week is Supergirl. Last week on Supergirl, Malefic takes control over Alex, but is saved by Kara and John. It is revealed that Malefic was actually teleported into Lena's office instead of the Phantom Zone as Lena, I'll say it, both ways. Forges two characters. Forges an alliance with him. Taste buds, I ask you this. Which of us is most likely someone that should have been teleported from the to the Phantom Zone but ended up in the studio right now? I think me, right? Yeah, it's clearly Taylor. Wait, you're the alien spy that's sent here to bring this whole thing down? I think so. One hundred percent. Greg is the person who Made an alliance immediately. Oh, uh, yep. absolutely. Yeah, he was like, this guy, he's one of those Galatians. I'm on board. He's the Lena Lena of our generation. Oh, Lena Lena. Hey, I mean, Lena Lena doesn't not sound like a DC character's name. No, Lena Lena is everybody's favorite new superhero. Lena Lena is either a DC superhero or like a 1970s country folk singer. <laughs> those are the only two options for Lena Lena. Why not Slash both? Slash kung fu artist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Supergirl is on the CW. Your next show this week is Riverdale. 
This week on Riverdale, it's Halloween. So everyone just does Halloween stuff. Cheryl and Tony bury Jason, but the house might be haunted by Cheryl's unborn triplet, Julian. Veronica... (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah, that happens. Veronica gets attacked by an escaped serial killer. Archie and Mad Dog try to fend off drug pushers from the community center. Betty is getting when a stranger calls by most likely Charles. And Jughead gets buried alive again. Taste buds, I ask you this. How many times can one character be buried alive until you just like fine with it? Which show? <laughs> For on a show like Riverdale? On a show like Riverdale, yeah. Seventeen tops. Probably, yeah. Taylor, let's go slow and take each of the core four. Who do you want to start with? Um, let's start with Archie. Okay. Let's let's get him out of the way. So Archie is pissed because Veronica dressed him up as a superhero. Uh Pure Heart the Yeah, whatever the proud. which which he dressed up as last year on Halloween as well. And uh he's like, This is stupid, I look stupid. And then by the end of the episode, when he has uh threatened uh, a drug dealer for the second episode in a row, Veronica's like, You're not gonna actually dress up like that and fight crime, are you? And he's like, No. Not without a mask. Yes. And now Riverdale is a superhero show. Archie's going to dress up in tights, and he's going to go around and beat the shit out of people, because that's what Riverdale needs. What else strikes fear in the heart of drug dealers than poorly made, shitty co- uh, superhero costumes? Uh, also, uh, Betty is uh, hanging out at home. Uh, Jughead is not showing up because he has been buried. Uh, but So Betty is getting these phone calls from someone... It's coming from the house. It's it's coming from the house. Uh, but no, Charles shows up, and he's he's like, oh, don't worry, I can track this and find now, out where it's coming from. Despite Skeet Ulrich being on this show, yeah. that whole thing of a call coming from inside the house and then somebody knocking on the door minutes later reminds me of nothing that I've ever seen in pop culture history. It, it, it doesn't even remind me of anything that I've seen referenced on this on specifically show. specifically Riverdale, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Last season. I've, I've never seen this exact thing done on this show before. That's weird. Did you, or am I being a weirdo, um, get, instead of a Halloween reference, the movie, because this yes. this episode referenced the shit out of the movie Halloween, Yes, uh, Betty and her half-brother yeah. are sitting on the couch watching TV, eating popcorn, and instead of a Halloween reference, it felt more like a clueless reference, but I, they were step-siblings, not half-siblings. I still think that they are going to bone down. I, I really hope not, because that dude is... He's like a that weird age where you're like you might be 24 but you also might be 50. Right. Like we have no but idea. But 24 year old should also not fuck 16 year olds. <laughs> well, okay, you're right, but I keep forgetting that Betty is not a 30 year old mother of two. And I'm glad we bring this up in Taylor's 24th year, Mike. This is important <laughs> to say. Uh, but also, uh, Jughead, he uh, he gets he gets buried again. So he gets the he, he gets buried. Uh, he's in the coffin for most of it, and that is yeah. one of my. Mo- I don't care if Michael Myers is following me; like that doesn't scare yeah. me. But you put me in a coffin and you bury me. That's yeah. that's gonna freak me out. I'm and, sorry, I'm a wuss. And they did the very Riverdale thing of um, let's talk about the cask of Amontillado uh-huh. before we do the cask of Amontillado. <laughs> what if we? And which, by the way, if you watch Nancy Drew, that's two cask of Amontillado references in two weeks. And he gets out, and the bullies are like, "Well, that's just that means you're in, bro. That means we're like now you're in, uh, unless you want to quit." And he's like, "No." This school is terrible, and you're terrible, but no, that's not what whatever his last Joneses yeah. do. Yeah, but also uh, it does at the end of the episode. Spoiler: uh, cut ahead to uh, Betty looking at his dead body on yes. the corner table. They keep doubling down on the fact yes. that Jughead is dead. Yeah, like it, up to this point, it's been like sort of like, oh, we don't know what happened. We saw his. 
beat the shit body on the coroner's table. Jughead is dead. My guess is it's Jason Blossom dyed his hair, put like a weird hat on him. Yeah. So um, Veronica has just a, a offshoot thing where like the, typical scary thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like the trucker comes in and he's like, oh, we just announced this guy asked for a meal and then he kills people and pretends he has a family. And then she like lights this dude on fire and everyone's like, oh, man, that's a crazy day you had. Right. All right. We'll never <laughs> talk about this again. I mean, not Riverdale crazy, but no, it was crazy for you. Your little adventure. Yeah, but so sh- let's talk about this Cheryl storyline, which is like the D plot line of the season. Is Cheryl has been last episode Tony found Jason's body, and it's still going on. It's still going on. We had a couple months time jump, mm-hmm. and Tony is sitting at the breakfast table, was like, "Babe, we should put Jason back in the ground." And it just cuts up to a shot of Jason sitting at the, the breakfast table with them, just mouth open. <laughs> Mouth falling off. Uh, Mouth agape. Cheryl's like, fine, I'll do that. And so they bury him. And then Cheryl recreates her own horror movie to make Tony, who is very aware that Cheryl is just gaslighting her, yes. um, uh, dig up Jason and then put him back in a chair. And then more horror happens. And Cheryl has to admit, look, babe, I was fucking with you yeah. that entire time. <laughs> I, I I'm not was doing this. with you. And it's, Tony's like, oh, cool, this is scary. We'll continue this relationship. This yeah. is totally healthy to continue. Tony, the, t- 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 the, the tongue game cannot be that good, girl. There's no, there's no possible way. There's no possible way that Cheryl is that good. You got to get out of there. mostly so she can live in a mansion and not back in the trailer park? Maybe. It has to be. She's like, oh, fuck it. I, it's a nice mansion. We'll keep the dead body around. I can, I can oh, get yeah. okay with this. And then she concedes. She's like, yeah, put him back in the rocking chair. This is yeah. our life now. What the fuck ever? Who cares? Uh, Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? Uh, I, have a, I, I have two tied. Uh, one, th- these people knew that they were going to have orange-haired kids, and they named one of them Julius. You really want orange Julius running around? <laughs> orange or, Julius. Or Julian, sorry. Uh, but my real one is uh, they find out where the call is coming from, and they think it's Be- or, uh, Polly on the farm. I think this might be mine. <laughs> and so Betty calls up and uh, talks to Polly and uh, like knows that she's the villain somehow. <laughs> and then uh, Polly's like, who is this? Is this so-and-so? Is this and Edgar? Is this Edgar? And Betty says, no, bitch, it's your sister. <laughs> yes, that is my moment of the week. It's Betty Cooper saying, no, bitch, it's your sister. Stop calling my fucking house. Like, just for no reason. She went full Maury. And yeah. Yeah, they are on stage. Like every other interaction Betty has, she's so polite and nice. She's like, <laughs> like that is absolutely the way that Betty talks to her sister. Uh, Riverdale is on the CW. It's a weird, crazy show. Your next show this week is Black Lightning. Last week on Black Lightning, Lynn informs Odell that the vaccine to cure the meta disease is working. Odell and Major Gray note that Lynn is unaware that she has become addicted to that vaccine. Taste buds, I ask you this. Do we all know exactly what we're addicted to? Oh, I do. Let's turn this out. If you think that any of the three of us aren't sure, let's bring it up right now. (laughs) Does Taylor, is Taylor aware of his severe crippling addiction to chocolate Twinkies? Uh, He is now, bro. Yeah, okay. And also, is Taylor aware of his severe non-alcoholism? The guy just won't drink, and I think it's a problem. I cannot do it. Listen, you won't make me drink. And Mike's addiction, is Mike aware of his addiction to Ryan? I think I think everyone who has ever listened to this podcast knows. Numerous uh, significant others and mothers in my life have pointed that out through the years. Numerous. And I say, no. No. No, you're wrong. Get out of my life. Why are I you addicted Ryan. to Ryan? Uh, Black Lightning is on the CW. Your next show this week is Stumptown. 
We didn't do Ryan's addictions because it's real and not funny. This week on Stumptown, Dex is interviewed for her PI license. With Gray missing, she also takes over management of the bad alibi and hires Tookie when the bar's chef unexpectedly quits. Hoffman defies orders to stay away from Gray's case and is threatened with the loss of his badge if he doesn't walk away. Meanwhile, while searching Gray's apartment, Dex finds a ring and is convinced it's for her. Taste buds, I ask you this. Have you ever in real life heard someone buying a ring for someone they weren't explicitly involved with? No. Overheard? Overheard, been I, a part of. Most overhearing happens only on TV, right? Like, I, I it, really. It, it, it's no, no. no, no I'm, I'm just. Have you heard of this happening? It's such a, a huge, gross TV-only trope that so she finds a ring in Jake Johnson's apartment and is like, "This is because he loves me. This is a ring for me." Oh, I see what Instead you're saying. Of, that's insane. So you're saying, you're do just I friends? Do I ever go full threes company on any event in my life? Yes, uh, Don nodding it up. I wish I did, but I, there's so like I should plant more rings in your guys' houses so you can do or uh, no, please do not do that. Please positive do. pregnancy <laughs> tests; those are the best to plant in people's oh. bathrooms. Yeah, or p- pieces of weaves because you can't explain that away. Someone's in your bed, or like a big bag of meth. Oh man, you guys remember that episode of New Girl? With, they had a big bag of meth. Uh, I do. Yes, yeah. classic episode of New Girl. <laughs> Uh, Stumptown. With Jake Johnson. With Jake Johnson. Stumptown featuring Jake Johnson, not New Girl, is on ABC. Your next and final show, we made it to the end of the list, folks, is The Flash. Last week on The Flash, Barry decides to train Cisco to become the new leader of Team Flash after he's gone by working with him to save Rosso. Nash Wells? Is Harrison Wells doing a Nash Bridges ripoff? Yes. Uh, it's Rick. Rick and Morty meets Nash Br- Bridges appears and offers to help in exchange for a crypto circuit he claims only Cisco can build. Elsewhere, Nash searches the sewers, tracking the monitor's movements. So there is the monitor in this episode. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does it feel like the CW, both inside and outside of their shows, are doing a good job of pumping everybody up for crisis? Yeah, I I think so. I... I was f- surprised, but in a pleasant way, that Arrow is going full hog on this. It's yes. just a pre-crisis, and but Barry, it's Barry and Ollie are having two separate adventures, but they're both going around telling everybody they are the one who's going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and that could be dumb, but it's actually kind of the coolest thing and super comic booky. Yeah, uh, I did not expect them to prepare for this well. But can't you imagine Barry hearing Ollie overhearing in some sort of threes <laughs> company misunderstanding that that's what Ollie's saying, and now Barry's running around saying, "Um, me too. I'm no, I'm going to die." I'm I'm the one. Yeah, I'm the one. I'm the real superhero. Yeah, I I feel like if only Barry knew how few episodes Arrow has left, he would figure out like he's not the one. <laughs> oh, I'm safe. Cool. Yeah. Don't pick Cisco to be your team leader. Yeah, come on, buddy. What I guess the doing? biggest problem is that nobody like people who watch and still watch, and that's I don't think that's a lot of people are gonna watch Crisis, but nobody is gonna come in that hasn't seen any of this. You know, like. They're, they're not going to gain any new viewers because of this big event. They shouldn't. Like, I guess unless it's somebody who, like, was super into comics in the 80s, hasn't had a TV in 40 years, and is like, what? They're making it? What is the CW? And then you have to explain the WB and UPN to them and how they merged to create one thing. All of it. All of it has to be explained. Yeah. And, and then you have to give them the very good CW app. You guys, the CW app, it works very well. It is one of the worst apps I have ever used in my entire life. Disagree. Disagree. It's free, and they give you all the CW shows. They will let you pick a show and then watch a spinning loading circle for hours on end. Never had that issue. Sounds like you have a shitty version of the app. You should update. Are you guys excited for the CW Arrowverse Lois and Clark? Were you guys Lois and Clark Hell, people before? 
was a huge Lois and Clark. Yes. Look, in the 90s, we didn't have a lot of options. Yeah. So, yes, I love Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain's Lois and Clark. I watched um, so much Lois and Clark for some reason. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we we all talked about how we love Tyler Hoechlin. Is mm-hmm. that how you say Superman's name? Yeah. He's good, like, it's, I'm, I'm pumped for it. And this one is, finally, we get, like, baby Jonathan Kent. Like, there's years of, there's decades of superhero lore I'm sick of seeing the same three years for every superhero ever. Yeah. Let's see Superman as a pappy. Will this finally make it so that Lois and Clark is more important to our country than Lewis and Clark? I, yes. ho- I hope so. Sacagawea, am I right? The Flash is on the CW. That Sacagawea. is it for this show. We have made it through. Next week, we're going to be talking about End of the Fucking World and even more Watchmen. We're just going to dedicate so much time to talk about Watchmen, you guys. Actually, a lot of our Batwoman time. Will be dedicated to Watchmen. Yeah, it's it's so fucking good, you guys. You gotta watch it. Uh, if you like this show, you can go to yourpopfilter.com and find even more shows. Or if you want to help support it, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon and buy some stuff through there to help support us. Also, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter to give a little bit of money to us and get very special bonuses. We include a bunch of extra pieces of shows and background stuff for it, so it's very much worth your while. Also, go to... What a sale. <laughs> what a pitch. Yeah. Can we say coming soon, uh, extra superhero about Watchmen, or is that... Am I crossing a line there? It, listen, I love that. Yeah, I I could talk about Watchmen for so long. We might do that. Uh, let us know if you want that. If you want to find a way to let us know, you can hit us up on social media at, at Your Pop Filter on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can contact us at contact at yourpopfilter.com via email, and we might read it on the show if it's very good and complimentary, or we might not if it's very mean, because we don't like to put that negative energy out into the world. My advice, if you're a mean person, be mean to Taylor. That is the best way to get it on the show. Yeah, that's 100%, because I am the punching bag of the show. Even though it's my show, don't understand how that happened, but it is the attitude that we are moving with. Tune in next week, where we're going to be talking about all of those things that I mentioned before. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For Mike, I'm Taylor. For Taylor, I am the world. Baby, baby, baby. Oh, keep me in bed. Line me up onto the top of the roof. Roll me off into a ditch. Like, typically, this Find is where we talk about our body. issues with Taylor, but I feel so bad. Okay, so I'm going to pee on Taylor. Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, come on. Wait,